up, y'all? Welcome to the Wedding Pros Podcast. My name is Jared. I'm here with Mr. Jason McCutcheon. And today we just have an awesome guest that we have been looking forward to for a while, Mr. Mike Michalowicz, uh, author, Profit First, and his newest book, Fix This Next. Um, we have just an awesome discussion with him today, and I think it's especially relevant to the wedding industry and what's going on in the world today with the coronavirus and just um, just kind of where our industry is at a whole. And we just um, kind of dive into the specifics of finances in the wedding industry and just have a really great discussion. Um, Jason and I um, read Profit First last year. Yeah, Jared Jared came to me. He's like, you got to read this book, Profit First. And I was like, a book about accounting? Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, but it, it's, it's kind of, you know, I, I would say probably accounting for dummies, which I certainly was a, a dummy at accounting. And, uh, you know, most of us don't get into the wedding industry to run a business or do accounting or, or these boring things. Or make money, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Uh, and um, but I thought it was very approachable uh, for me, kind of being first and foremost, like creative person. And so we uh, we read it kind of together and Jason picked it up and he actually got farther ahead of it than I was and got really into it. And we were like, you know, there's no reason why we can't start up applying a lot of these principles in our own business. And um, yeah, we, we, we started to do so. Yeah. And it was one of those things where, um, first of all, I wouldn't by no means say this is the only way to run your business or whatever, but we were in a place where we would get to the end of the year and what resonated with me is like, we were the people in the book, right? Which they say, you get to the end of the year and then you say, oh, I have no money. Yep. Yep. Or end of your financial year, whatever it is. Year like, after year after year. And we're like, what in the heck is going on? We make you know, all this money. I know I made more money than ever last year. Yes. Why don't I have any money? Yep. You know, and it starts with like figuring out what to do with your money at the beginning and not at the end. And I think for us, like it, it forced us to analyze our business and think about it in a different way. And we started implementing it. And by the end of the year had put ourselves in a position to do some very um, important things. And um, in, in our business and also for the upcoming year. Now here's what happened this year. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's this thing called the uh, coronavirus, and it particularly affects gatherings of people <laughs> and so um one of the interesting parts about profit first is like we did all this positioning to get ourselves ready um and man i'm glad we did it yeah i i mean i told mike even before we we hopped on with him like if we didn't apply a lot of the principles in profit first and just start evaluating our business um, about a year ago, a year and a half ago in this way, I have no idea where we would have been. I, I know just we, so many things that we take for granted, even a year later that we've applied, um, you know, we got an accountant right after we read the book, we got an accountant and that's just been changed our business completely. Well, just that yeah. fact, you know, we were trying to do everything ourselves and, you know, I think Jason and I were like, you know, we have to take a closer look at the finances ourselves and, and actually see where we are month to month, you know, and and just be more proactive. Yeah. And, and before we get into the interview, which yeah. we're going to get into now, we want to encourage you subscribe, hit the alert bell. Um, if you like our podcast um, on Apple or Spotify, go ahead, give it a little review and a five star rating. That would be awesome. Um, but also, I would say one of the cool things about this system and Mike's books in general, also fix this next, is it's very actionable and it works at for large scale to small scale. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm a, like, I'm just a solo person, I'm a creative, it's just me, maybe my spouse and that's it. Um, you still need to know your numbers. And I find we were like you, we didn't wanna look at the numbers because there's we too many other things to do. We didn't want to think about yeah. it. We wanted, and we wanted to abdicate that part of our business off to someone else. And so we had another person in our business doing these things for us, but they weren't involved in the business in the same way. And that's not their fault. That's our fault as business owners. Yeah. And it's, you have to take responsibility for your business's finances. Yeah. And this is a great system because it's not intimidating and you can do it. You can just 
start implementing this and it's scalable. You don't yep. just have to like go whole hog first day, start putting 15% of your money into profit yep. and like all this crazy stuff. You don't have to do that. Well, the, now you hear it all the time. You hear people being like, now is the time to clean up your business and like start new systems and do all these things. Like now is a really great time to start, but this is what you actually need to be doing. This is an actual practical way that you can get your business on track for the future and be prepared for the next coronavirus, the next, you know, uh, economic downturn or depression or whatever. You have to do these things. Yeah. If you, you don't, to. you will be out of business yeah. or, or apply similar principles. You have to take this seriously. Otherwise you're going to be working at whole foods next year, you know, yeah. or the year after whenever a crisis comes up. So, and that's um, not why you started your wedding business. You started it to not have to work at whole foods. Yes. Yes. So, um, I think, yeah, let's just hop into the interview, um, with Mike McCallowitz. I'm here with a really special guest today, Mike McCallowitz. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Did I get the name right? You nailed it. Yeah, that's shocking, actually. So why don't you kind of tell everybody, I know you've probably talked about this a lot, but give the wedding world a little bit of a kind of a taste on what is profit first? Profit first is just a new way to look at profit. I, I think so many business owners, actually, not, I don't think, I know, so many business owners get to the end of the year and there's no cash left for them. Uh, ultimately, there's actually the ultimate insult and your accountant says, oh, you have $5,000 in profit. And it's like, well, where is it? And like, oh, that's an accounting profit. You don't have it. So <laughs> why do so many businesses struggle with profitability? And there was a statistic, this was studied by U.S. Bank. They identified that 83% of small businesses, in the U.S. now there's 30 million small businesses, 83% of small businesses are surviving check by check, meaning we aren't profitable. We, we, we're, we're begging to get a, a job in today so we can pay the bills that are piling up on the table. And uh, the irony, I thought, is the reason we get into the businesses we get into is because, in part, we want financial freedom. Like, I want to do what I want when I want, and I want to make money doing it. And yet, those are the things we don't get. The reason I believe is that profit comes last in the traditional presentation of profitability. It's sales minus expenses is profit. And while that logically makes sense, behaviorally it's flawed. Like, like you guys would never say, you know what, um, I'm gonna start putting my friends last, you know, because I really care for them. Or, you know, if I, if I had a health care, I wouldn't say, you know what, starting today, I'm gonna start putting my health last. Yeah. It's human nature, <laughs> and something significant, it comes first. Those are the things that get addressed. When something comes last, it's the manana syndrome. You know, it can wait, it can wait. So in profitability, we've been told profit comes last. And, and it's in our vernacular. It's the bottom line or the year end. All those things mean don't worry about it now. And it means we'll never worry about it. So in profit first, we flip the formula. Sales minus profit equals expenses. In execution, every time revenue comes into our business, we take a predetermined percentage of that money allocate it to a profit account, we hide it from ourselves, and then run the business off the remainder. It's literally that simple. It's, it's the pay yourself first principle applied to business. Yeah, and for us, we as we, we implement it with our company. And um, and what, what's great about it is it, it, there's a lot of instruction on, I think, how to scale into it. They don't just, it's, when you read the book, it's not just like suddenly take 15% of your revenue out of right. the first day. <laughs> Yeah. So, right. so if you're like hearing that and you're like, well, I have no money, it's like, okay, you can scale into it. That's what I loved about the book is like, it, it wasn't just so dogmatic about it that it didn't let you work your way into what you your ideal to. percentages are. Have you ever gone to a gym? Like, and you see someone that hasn't been working out for a long time. Usually when I go on vacation and I stop by a gym, it's a lot of people like, you know, I'm going to get fit again. I'm, I'm in, in a, you know, a nice climate and they go to the gym and they put on like ridiculous amount of weights on the bench. And they, they try to bench like 300 pounds and the guy rips his shoulders out. It, that sadly will deter him from ever working out again because he'll associate workout with injury. So yeah. we are far more successful when we slowly build into it. Getting to the gym and going for a walk on the treadmill actually would be more successful because you're likely to replicate that behavior. With Profit First, and I'm the ground zero on this, at least for this concept. I, I started it for myself now 12 years ago. And, uh, the first iteration, I was like, oh, I want to have a 50% profit. I want to be really profitable. And I didn't have money to pay bills. And I'm like, oh, this system sucks. It doesn't work. Yeah. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, start slowly. Start. And ultimately, I got to this 1% concept. Start at 1% because 
if you start taking a small percentage of your income and hiding toward profit, for example, 1%, if a thousand dollar deposit comes in, 1% is 10 bucks. So if you can run your business off a thousand, you can run off 990 bucks. But ten dollars now is in your profit account, and it starts becoming addictive. It's like, oh, money's growing. Maybe I can do two percent. We start building that muscle. It's like the Pavlov dog of profit. Yeah, yeah, right. Right, ringing the bell, right? You just treat yourself, treat yourself, and then you're salivating all the time about profit. Yeah. So, so the wedding industry is a probably not unique in the world. You know, there's a lot of industries um, like it, and honestly, throughout the country uh, or the world. This isn't true everywhere. I know people in Texas who it's their season is basically all year. But most of us, especially people who are in the Northeast or or the um, the Northwest, wedding season is very much from May to October, very yeah. seasonal, right? So that makes cash flow super challenging. And the wedding, especially for a lot of creatives. Oh well, yeah, the wedding industry. I've never is, even bounced a checkbook before. Yeah. It's not populated with. Um, People who they didn't start a business to become entrepreneurs. They started a business so they could do certain work. Right. So they, they were like, that. I just want to shoot photos. I just want to make videos. I don't want to do anything else, including any bookkeeping, any of this stuff. <laughs> so they're, they're very, um, I think, and it's getting better, but by our nature, we're systems averse as creatives. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that, I love about this system is that it actually is easy enough, but it seems complicated, but it, it's actually easy enough for a wedding or a creative person who maybe isn't like a, I think you call them solopreneurs. Yeah. Right. Solopreneurs. That's basically what these people are. We're all solopreneurs. Very few of people are like Jared and I that have a company and employees. Yep. Most of them are just uh, yeah, one, one person, person in their house. Yep. Yeah. So, so why is this such a great system for those people? So yeah, this, a, so seasonality um, happens in quite a few businesses. Actually, I experienced it myself. The phenomenon, at least I had, is uh, my big season actually was uh, January because I have a lot of contracts get renewed. But maybe it's similar to October if you're a, in the wedding industry in the Northeast. That month is actually an amazing month. It's like, oh my God, I'm making so much money. Look how much I have, right? And then October is amazing. And... Uh, uh, November ain't so bad because now you have cash you're sitting on. December starts dwindling. And then January is like, oh my gosh, I'm running out of money. And then February is like, I'm going to kill myself. So very quickly, we go into this dearth. The reason is it, it's very human, by the way. It's like if you experience those, those peaks and valleys, the reason it's called Parkinson's Law. It's a behavioral thing. But basically, when we have excess supply, we have a lot of stuff, we utilize it more. We use it faster. And when we don't have much stuff, we actually savor. I love chocolate chip cookies. If you put one cookie in Who front doesn't? of me, I will eat that one cookie. By the way, I, I am going to send you those cookies, Mike. Oh, please don't. Please don't. Because no. I'll eat them. <laughs> it's kind of you. It's kind of you. But it's like saying, it's like me saying, oh, I'm addicted to cocaine. You're like, oh, I'll send you cocaine right away. Like, <laughs> Some do people it. would do that if you live in Hollywood. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Exactly. I had a kilo coming your way. <laughs> but if you put like 12 chocolate chip cookies in front of me, I'll actually consume them faster. So the more supply we have, the more cash we have, we actually consume it faster. And there's a thing called uh, the recency bias. We actually think that's the norm. So when something happens right now, like, oh, that's how it's forever going to be. So October is like, oh, that's my new business standard. So how we address this in Profit First is very simple. When that money comes in in October, we put it into an account. This is all done at your bank, by the way, and that, that's mandatory because it intercepts the behavioral path. Most creatives, especially most entrepreneurs of any type, don't do accounting. What we do is we log into our bank account and we follow our system. Is if we have money, we can spend it. If we don't, we panic. That's the system. I call it bank balance accounting. So we set up an account there. We'll call it a drip account. We, money comes in uh, in October, that big surge of cash, but we know that money has to cover us through the winter, maybe for the six more months. So now that October cash comes in, we put it into this drip account, and then every month we take one sixth of it out. We slice into six pieces, drip it into our business. Because the October income is not income for October, it's income for the entirety of the business cycle. 
would you would you drip that into each of the accounts into expenses into profit into taxes all those yeah so the actual flow if we're going into the kind of technical it goes into a strip account you splice one sixth of it it goes then into a recognized income or we just call it income you actually yep. earn the money at that point then we carve it up to the different accounts expenses and so forth and distribute now, it at the same percentages yep same percentages same everything the only thing is this is in October, as you have a surge of income, you may also have a surge of some related expenses. You need more equipment. Uh, you may have to hire contracts, labor, or something like that. So it's not as clean as cutting into six pieces necessarily. You may use a little bigger chunk just for the October to cover those expenses and then slice them to one step. Yeah. And, and Mike, like you mentioned like people get the money and they, they're kind of like living on it for the next six months. I find a lot of times what people do in our industry, and I, I think we even fell victim to it for a while too, was you, you get that money, you live off it for a little bit, but you're also getting these retainers, right? You're getting the retainers for the next year. So you're like, oh, I'm fine. I have retainers coming in and you're relying on the money that isn't even there yet. You're sure, relying yeah. on kind of future work. So, it, so it's what not would even you say? Yours. So, yeah, yeah. So, so a retainer, someone says, I'm gonna reserve a spot, here's your money, in exchange for a service we're gonna render. If we don't render that service legally, that's not our money. So it's called unearned income is the title. But the same thing, we put it, we have an account at our own business called retainers. And so when money comes in, some of our clients pay us a year in advance. That's the exception, but sometimes it happens. So the money goes into this retainer account and just sits there until that year comes up. And that day we then trigger it as recognized income, meaning we move it from retainers to the income account. Um, and this is basically a, more sophisticated version of the envelope system. Things have been around for decades. My mother, German, um, very German. And when money would come in, she worked at a factory down the road. When money would come in, she divided up into different envelopes. One envelope was for our mortgage. My mother and father both contributed to that. And then there was one for food and so forth. The thing is, when my mom went food shopping, she grabbed the food envelope, drive to the store, and then open the envelope when she got there and say, I have to work with this. Which sometimes meant well, the German family, sometimes it was like a nice, you know, uh, dinner. Um, uh, sometimes it was the worst dinner on the planet, which is called liverwurst. If you don't know what liverwurst <laughs> is, it translates in English to disgusting. Uh, it's liver sausage. <laughs> it's liver sausage. But the, the lesson is this, is that we have to divide this money up before we spend it at our bank. These multiple accounts, we know what the intended use of that money is first before we spend it. And we start working within the confines of these envelopes and our business starts becoming healthier and healthier. So my guess is you're not a big fan of an entire industry that lives off retainers. Uh, no, no, if you live off retainers, I, I agree, I'm not a fan. If, if your business is defined by you must collect retainers, we just have to have the discipline of earning that income, putting in a retainer account. My business, uh, it's called Prop First Professionals, is 90% retainers actually. So it can work, we just have to have the discipline of, of allocating the money at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mo uh, most of us don't do that. Just saying. But most don't. It's, it's <laughs> a word called human. You're, congratulations, yeah. you're a human being. And so, yeah. we, we profit first. We set these multiple accounts, but we, we go further. There's a little trickeration, as uh, old yes. George, George Bush would say. What we do is we can sometimes hide the money from ourselves. So, in a the most sophisticated implementation of profit first, and this is not where you get started. This is kind of the end game. We actually use multiple banks. A bank to actually hide money from ourselves so that we don't steal from ourselves and we can drip out from that bank back to us and then the money appears. It sounds like a shell game, but it's a behavioral management system. So that is a great lead in. So uh, our experience was we were like, we're gonna rate, we're gonna do, we're gonna save up all our money for all our contractors as the money comes in last year because we have a pretty significant per event contractor cost. Yeah. Um, and we factored in our employees too. How much does it cost to make this wedding? And we're going to take that money when the money comes in and we're going to put it aside. So we did all this. We put all this money aside, <laughs> all this money, and then coronavirus. The and the yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It's actually worse than so, that. Let me be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is bad. So, so Many of us have already collected these retainers. We have, we're like, oh, we have this money aside. We're gonna, like, we're gonna use it this year, and we're counting on it. And now we don't have any income essentially 
new income for the whole year. And, and a lot of people have to live off these retainers or they're just going to lose their house. Yeah. They're going to lose everything. Yeah. And, and they're going to have to figure this out. And I think it's going to, I think in our industry it's other industries too, but we're one of the industries that I think is going to feel the we're a lagging industry to the economy. Um, so we're not sure, going to know how so far in advance, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. We're not going to know how bad this hurts for 18 months. Yeah. I believe that. And, and so, you know, to basically to put it lightly, this sucks. So, <laughs> I, you know, for me, this is what I keep thinking about. I have a hard time considering any of my money profit right now. Yeah. Because I'm looking at it going, well, I got my rent. I've laid off as many employees as I can. I have no idea if any of this money is going to be profit. I don't know if I'm going to have to hire random people off the street at whatever rate they're going to charge me. Um, who knows what's going to happen. So kind of talk me off a ledge a little bit, talk me into continuing to do the thing, even though it doesn't feel like it makes any sense. Yeah. So, um, I think there's two things, three things that are happening. I call this situation, not the next great recession, which we had in 2008. This is the great reinvention. We must fundamentally shift the way we offer, uh, our, how we construct our offering. Now, there will be, here's uh, step one, is some of your competition, a lot, will freeze up. The hobbyists that are in this space saying, oh, I, you know, on the business side, I always wanted to do this, but we're not really committed to the business being perpetually successful. We'll be wiped off the map. Um, and I don't mean that in a draconian way. I just, it's just a fact. It's, yeah, it is what it is. Um, others will try to continue business as normal, even though these circumstances clearly are not normal circumstances. That's a that's a bad move. So we have to reinvent. So, so step one for our businesses is let's reinvent. Let's um, change the way we're offering things. Actually, I was working with wedding planners. I, I did a call uh, two months ago with maybe 10 wedding planners. Uh, someone reached out and said, hey, we've got a small group. We don't know what to do. And I said, I'd love to just be part of the brainstorm because I want to understand the problem. There's a technique you can use called the one step back method. At least that's what I call it. And you look at the historical offering, a celebration, if you're the DJ playing music or whatever, if you're the event planner, uh, you know, the coordination of all the stuff that's coming together. And we just simply rewind. What are all the steps you take to get there? And as you rewind these steps, can these steps you've taken historically to get to that final product become the new product? And so with this one wedding plan, we, we realize it's really an assembly of all these different things that happen. You know, when the wedding kicks off, this happens. Ten minutes in, this is happening. And they had this sequence flow. So we boxed it. She made a box, and in the box were little mini boxes labeled one, two, through 15 or whatever, and they did a virtual wedding. But every uh, guest got a box before the wedding, so do not open until the wedding. You open at the wedding, and they did this celebration, and they said, okay, now open box one, and I don't know what it was. It was a champagne flute and the champagne. Box two, you know, right, whatever. It was the element. So it was a whole new way of delivering this offering. Some people are still having weddings. They're just doing it in a new format. So that's the great reinvention. The other thing that's going on is there's going to be what's called pent-up demand. There's some people are saying, I'm not going to do a wedding in 2020. I can't, but I'm going to do it in 2021. Well, guess what? There's other people that were planning on doing a wedding in 2021. Now we have increasing demand in a compressed period of time. The move to do here is actually to increase our prices. It's surge pricing. If you ever want to take Uber or Lyft and you're at an airport at a certain time, it's like, oh, everyone wants a car. You want to pay more for it? We, the consumer, have a choice. Surge pricing. Uh, and I usually say yes. I'm like, oh, damn it. Okay. Click. Well, that's what we need to do with our businesses. And I, unfortunately, I see wedding planners saying, book me now, same prices, you can get it now. And sadly, there's going to be all this demand that's available, but they're not serving it because they got booked early on at a lower price point. Now is the time to say, we're reserving the 2021 dates, but there's double the demand we've ever had historically. Therefore, uh, we're increasing, we have a a book early fee, one-time fee that you must pay for $500 or whatever it is. And that revenue then can be recognized as a booking fee. It's a one-time fee to reserve those premium dates. You know, it used to be Valentine's Day or if it falls on a Saturday or Sunday or whatever, you know, there's certain days that are premium dates. Now all of 2021 has become premium. There's an opportunity there. Um, we've been adding, we've been doing that same thing for our business on Saturdays. 
And actually, we've been moving people to off-prime dates, which, which we would never normally work. So we're picking up that revenue. And we've been scaling up our team so we can service. Yeah. We think we're going to end up doing 200 weddings next year. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And that's actually the yeah. third and final tip I have for you, which you're already doing, is every wedding, everyone in the wedding industry right now should be recruiting. Now, that's different than hiring, and people get confused. Recruiting means find the people that you're going to need to rely on today for 2021. And you can't promise I'm going to give you work in 2021 because you don't know what's coming, but tell them, I foresee business starting to ramp quickly. I want to make sure you're an available resource. Finding new resources. Building your network right now is critical because there's a surge coming theoretically in 2021, unless the coronavirus, you know, wipes out another year. And then society's uh, over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah then, it's all, then we're all done. So, okay. so it's Mike, great, it's a great asteroid hit from 2021. It's probably yeah. yeah, yeah. Who, who knows at this point? Yeah. Mike, you have a, you have a new book out. Fix this next. Uh, Jason and I read it in the last couple weeks, and uh, it's excellent. And I think there's no better time because uh, with coronavirus, there's a lot of things to fix. Yeah, so and a lot of weird free time. I know. So for us, you know, we're really starting at the drawing board, starting with just our, you know, fundamental, you know, business practices, and really just reevaluating from base level. So uh, tell me a little bit about Fix This Next. Tell you know the wedding pros audience about Fix This Next. Give them your elevator pitch and, and you know, why sure. they should buy this book. I think it's excellent. Yeah. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate you saying that. So I, I, I've come to realize that most business owners of all sides are really professional firefighters because while we have a plan for our business, it's constantly putting out fire after fire. And maybe, maybe you hire a few people over time and maybe you're no longer a firefighter, but now you're simply the fire chief. You're just, you know, it's like, go here, go there. And that's why most businesses hit a, a, a ceiling. It's the million dollar mark, or it's, it's I can't get past two employees. There's a certain ceiling that we keep on getting stuck in. And so what I realized is we are rushing to do all the apparent things our business needs at the direct neglect of doing the one impactful thing. So Fix This Next is a tool I developed based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I translate to a business hierarchy of needs. But basically it's a tool, a compass if you will, to identify the one thing your business needs from you right now. Because if we concentrate our energy on fixing that next, once that's resolved, the next challenge will present itself. As opposed to all these apparent issues, if we do the impactful things, our business will achieve our vision. So that's what Fix This Next is about. And, and admittedly, you know, I've written Profit First, Clockwork. This book is what I'm most proud of. I, I, this may be my life's most important work, I believe. Yeah, it, it's really great. And I think it fits perfectly well within like, um, I think any business, but I think specifically with wedding professionals who maybe, or just anyone who feels like, Hey, I'm not like a business person. Yeah, I happen yeah. to be good at something or I, I got lucky or whoever they feel about themselves. It's like, okay, focus, make it simple. One thing at a time. And I think like, that's what I love about your style of teaching is you're always giving someone some like an immediate action point that is accessible. And Thank you. That means a lot to me. You know, I, I love reading books. To me, some books are very academic and they're mesmerizing, but I, I get stuck on the execution. So on my book, what I want to do is, is give people very tangible, actionable items where they'll see immediate results. Because yeah. honestly, I think that's, you know, we talked about the 1% rule, do, do small steps. When people start taking small actions and seeing results, it starts shifting their behavior. Uh, and, you, and you shift from just a person that, does a hobby to someone that's really managing a business. And one thing that's important to be able to know is that this isn't an either or you have, we all have the choice. If we own the business, we have the choice to build the business and insert ourselves in the way that gives us the most joy, which may be running the weddings or something. Like that. Yep. Hey Mike, thank you so much for coming on today. Why don't you tell everybody where awesome, they can man. find you and um, how to get connected and all that stuff. Sure. Thank you. So the, uh, well, the starting point is probably fix this next.com uh, because fix this next, Dot com has a free evaluation. Take five minutes of your business, regardless if you're a micro enterprise of one or if you have 100 employees or anywhere in between, it'll pinpoint what your business needs from you. So it's free. There's no downloads or anything. It's super quick. I'd say that's the starting point. That's fixthisnext.com. And uh, Jason and Jared, thank you so much, guys, for having me. I appreciate you both. It was awesome. Thank you, man. man. This we'll, is great. We'll do it another time when we're not in the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. All right, Jared. So 
that was a pretty awesome uh, discussion we just had with Mike. Um, what was your kind of just biggest takeaway? Uh, biggest takeaway. Man, they were all equally good, I feel like. And, and I feel like there are a lot of good takeaways specific to our wedding industry um, that, I don't know, we had talked about and maybe I, I've been on the fence about and you and me have, have maybe had a discussion and I'm, I'm probably the person that's like, I don't know if I really want to do that. But the thing that I really took away is now is the time there's demand is really high and um, availability is really low, right? Like, like the, the, there's a, a super high demand for 2020 wedding season. Um, so we should be raising prices. Yeah. Right? Well, and it's one of those things too, where it's not just that you should be raising prices because you can, right? Oh, yep. people will pay for that. So yep. screw these people. I'm yeah. going to get more money. Or you're profiting off of the coronavirus. No, no. It's one of those things where if you don't, you will um, not be able to control the volume you yeah. need to position yourself. Like I know for us as a business, we could very easily get into a position where we are taking on way too much work Yeah, yeah. and we need to control that. Yep. Yep. And one way to control demand is through price qualifying mm -hmm. is like getting your price to a place where you're getting the amount of bookings that you want. Yep. Um, and our typical, feeling, which I, you know, I don't ever want to totally change. I'm never going to be one of those people who's just like looking to do just 10 weddings. I want to run, I want to run businesses mm -hmm. that have a way, a range of clients. Yep. Um, cause I think $2,000 is good if you're doing less work and $10,000 yep. is good. You know, if someone's willing to pay for it, but it's both money. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the situation is unique next year. The demand slash supply kind of continuum is yep. going to be maybe more unique than any time in our lifetime next year. And so we have to be careful. So it's not just about raising prices to make more money. It's about raising prices to protect your business mm -hmm. from over committing to protect your business from that next coronavirus wave. Yep. Like if you shoot like 20 weddings from May to June next year, and then coronavirus springs up again, and you don't have a little extra money stored aside than you normally would, Yep, you're going to be screwed. So hopefully people have maybe taken that message to heart. Yep. Yep. I think um, a couple of people pretty early on, you know, foresaw this kind of squeeze, right? Of uh, This bottleneck of next year, all the 2020 weddings moved to 2021. Essentially where we are, I'm not sure how it is in the rest of the, the country, but where we are, you can't find a venue next year. It is currently June 17th. June 18th today um, uh, of, of 2020, you can't book a venue anywhere next year already. They're maybe, already booked. Maybe on like non-prime dates. Maybe on a Thursday, <laughs> uh, but a lot of people it's Thursday, it's Tuesday, it's Monday. Um, so, so, you know, we are moving all of our bookings to next year. And if you are running your own business, you're the only person doing it. You probably have a lot of Saturdays next year that are already booked and may say you just do 15 weddings a year. Next year, in order to make up for it, you know, losing money this year, you're going to have to take on an additional 15. So that's right off the bat is just way more work than what you're used to. Way more cost. Way more cost. Um, you know, uh, Mike talks about it in his, his new book, um, Fix This Next. He talks about um, having the actual ability to deliver on promises that's one of the things that you can actually fix that's that one of the fix. fixes that they talk about it's like it's not yep. just how do i make more money it's like how do i do a better job how do, actually? how do i actually just follow through on the promises that i'm making to my clients and so that's a lot of problems that people are going to have to figure out next year um and then some people who are just you know say you work 30 weddings a year say you work 40 weddings 40 saturdays and all those weddings move to next year you don't have any saturdays so what are you going to do on the days that you do have available where you've already been paid for half of that? You've already been paid that 50% yeah. retainer and you're only going to make 50% of what you normally make next year. Well, you and have to charge more to on those Fridays or, or the available Saturdays in order to make up for it. Right. And you have to pay someone to help you at yeah. those weddings. Yep. You have to pay help. Yep. yep. You're not going to be, if you're used to doing 30, 40 weddings, you do not have a business designed to do 80. Mm -hmm. no. You're not going to be able to do it. Yep. Um, or at least not, it's not good to just go double. Yeah. 
yeah. out of nowhere. Maybe you scale into that and whatever, but like what most of us are going to have to do is pay someone to help. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not at least charging enough to pay someone to help you. When we started at the beginning of coronavirus, I told you right away, I'm like, we have to charge yeah. a rescheduling fee. And one person in particular was like, only guys with podcasts would do that. <laughs> Screw you, buddy. Yeah. So, um, well, I just, I mean, I hope he's every, listening. Everyone is, is having to realize that, that's you an know, idiotic that's what going to have to do now. It's an idiotic take because yeah. I'm only charging what it's going to cost me to serve the wedding. Yeah. yeah. And like the cost is going to go up next year. You, yeah. it, so like you, you might be able to even, if you have enough demand in certain situations, some people will just be able to make a lot of profit off yeah. of the rebooking. Some of us, but some of us that are already fully booked, maybe we'll make a little extra profit on those new bookings, Yeah. but maybe we're just going to end up breaking even on the extra charge because yep. it's just going to cost us the exact same amount. And so we got to be real about that. Yeah. Like there's a real danger of next year. Not only do we not make profit this year, but we don't make profit next year because we don't charge enough to yep. compensate for the increased cost of producing our weddings. Yep. And I would just say like, I, I've noticed in the last few months, there's a lot of like, you know, guilt tripping about like you're profiting off of coronavirus and, and all this stuff. And, you know, everyone's weddings are, or everyone's uh, businesses are different in, in the wedding industry. Um, and if you feel like you have to do something to stay in business, um, you you got to stick true to that. Like, it doesn't matter what somebody else is saying about the way that you should run your business. You need to actually know what your numbers are and actually make decisions based on that. And And honestly, what I always do is I look at the people who are talking and most of the time when people are talking and like, Oh, how dare you, you know, be profitable. You know, I look at them and I'm like, dude, you're a weekend. You're working you're one full-time person. You're working two Saturdays and then you have a full-time Facebook job. Facebook has a problem yeah. where it like makes everybody seem equally as credible. Yes. Yes. And it's like, so if I went on there and was just like, this is all the things I've done. I'm super successful. Yep. People are going to be like, you're a jerk. So you're better. Like everyone ends up looking yeah. the same. And you need to really ask, like, if you're going to take advice from somebody, it should be someone like Mike yep. who actually has accomplished the thing that they're telling you and not just yep. some random person on the internet yep. who's trying to guilt trip you. Yep. And, and so, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, don't feel bad about doing the things that you feel like you have to do to make your business survive. You know, no matter what other people say, you know your numbers. Make the decisions based on what your numbers. Unless what they are. say is, if you don't do this, I will come and give you ten thousand dollars to not charge. A yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if what they tell you, if they will pay the rescheduling fee for you, yeah, and write you a check, yeah, yeah, then you can listen to them. Yeah, but most people will not. What What were your takeaways from our discussion, um, with Mike? So I loved the way he talked about pacing the distribution of your income months yep you know and so i think the issue is a lot of people if you were to be really honest with your income and you could probably get super complicated about this which is probably what i'll end up doing um because i'm just that way but like if you look at your income and you broke it down by 12 right most of us are pretty similar every year to mm -hmm. our income by annually yep but if you look at like i know for us like we make tons of money in December, January, mm -hmm. because we book a lot of weddings. Yep. We make tons of money in like May. Sometimes it's June, depending yeah. on last minute wedding bookings for October Jan of the same year. Some, some August are busier than others, but um, we typically make a lot of second deposits. But like when you look at September, September is ridiculous income yep. because we're paying for late second deposits for September, second deposits for October. First, first, you're starting to get new you know, bookings. First deposits, yep. October is huge. And then like, then you look at February, March, sometimes like February is decent, but sometimes February is like yeah, nothing. And sometimes in March is typically like the worst month of the year. Yeah. Yeah. By far. Like, um, we average, and I don't like, I don't mind telling our numbers and I don't do it to brag. I do it because you should not listen to people who won't tell you their numbers. Ooh, okay. Like, like if somebody is telling you what to do, you should ask them, what are your numbers? And mm -hmm. so our, because like, that's what advice should be based on. It should be based on experience. And we have tried this stuff and we've, we've done it and we book about 10 weddings a month on average. 
um, if I don't have around 10 weddings, I'm starting to go like, oh, what happened last month, Jared? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, you know, but that's just not always the case. It's different. There's an ebb and flow to weddings. That's mm-hmm. just how it goes. First deposits is one part of the flow or retainers. Second final payments are another part and those ebb and flow. And I love the idea of like, cause that's the issue we always have, right? Is like cash flow. Mm-hmm. Yep. If taking that money during the fat months and spreading it out and then, so basically profit first is tricky to explain, but I'll do my very best cause we didn't really explain it that much on the podcast. Basically what you do is you get your income and you spread your income out amongst a couple of different accounts, taxes, owner's compensation, expenses, profit. So those are all separate bank bank accounts. So you have an income account, an expenses account, a taxes account, an owner's compensation account, and a profit account. And twice a month, you take all your income and you divide it on, and they have a different percentages depending on how much your income is. You divide it amongst those accounts. Well, the problem is if you do quarterly distributions, which is what they recommend that you you look at your profit account and every quarter you distribute it amongst the owners. If you're a sole person, then you take it all. But the problem for us as a wedding industry is like, because you make all your money in one quarter, if you give yourself all that profit in that one quarter, you're going to be screwed because you actually need that money in that down month. Yep. So you really can't do profit first in that exact way. You need to be a more, sophisticated version of profit first that allows you to also pay yourself in March when it's really down. So I apologize. That's super, super, super techie. And I like kind of convoluted, but there is a mechanism in the book that I think works well for our industry. Mm -hmm. And I love to hear him explain it a little more because for me, that was my first question was like, Oh, what about in this case? And he had an answer right away. He knew he thought about it and it made a lot of sense to me that we would, find a way to get money into the down months and yep. not just take it as profit. Cause it's not profit. Yep. You have to spend it six months from now. Yep. So I love that. That was, that was the part I liked. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think that I learned so much from just that 25 minutes that we spent with them. I feel like I need to go back and listen to our own podcast as soon as we, <laughs> break here. I might actually be the one who edits it just so I can actually, and I never edit anything, (laughs) but, um, you gotta make micro content out of it. I know. I know. But, um, but yeah, guys, well, I, I hope that you guys, you know, enjoyed this podcast with Mike McCowitz. Um, and, uh, and that you actually, uh, have taken away some, some pointers. Um, if you have, please leave us comment below, um, ask some questions. You know, I would say Jason and I ourselves, we've practiced profit first and, and we've also struggled with profit first, probably a little bit. Um, yeah, we can give you, we've had a weird rocky road with it and, and kind of our own unique situation, but feel free to reach out to us guys. Cause uh, you know, I'd love to be a resource for people that are maybe having a hard time with understanding just how to budget. You know, we, we are in a really complicated type of industry where it's super seasonal and, and just managing the money, I think can be really complicated, especially when you throw in the mix coronavirus and just all this crap. Doing uh, the, doing it be- at the beginning makes a lot more sense in our industry than doing it at the end. Yes. Yes. It's way more helpful. Yep. So before we go, I wanted to ask you about the new book, Fix This Next. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. I think, I think that that's a really important, like jumping off point, right? Because sure. a lot of people are in this season, they're sitting there, they have a lot of time on their hands yep. and they're wondering, they're probably able to evaluate problems with their business maybe a little better now than normal. And they're wondering, well, what do I do? Because I know that can be overwhelming as an entrepreneur sure. is like, what do I do next? Yep. So you love that book. You thought it was interesting. What do you think would be the biggest takeaway? And like, for, why is this the best time to start fixing your business in the wedding industry? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, for us personally, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate right now. Like we're, Pretty, we have the time, first of all, to be able to actually evaluate. Yeah, you're gonna, some people are going to have a whole summer off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, in the book, what he does is he essentially equates um, your business to um, 
the fundamental laws of, of humanity, right? So, Which is what he does with Profit First, too. It's just yep. what trying to work with your instincts. Yep, yep. And, and the first human instincts that you have to have in order to survive are, you know, food, water, breath, air, you know, just kind of your really basic stuff. And he equates a certain level of your business of like, you know, for us, it'd be like, learn how to take pictures. Like that's the, the stuff that you're just like, obviously you have to have a skill or provide a value to customers. That's, that's in so order good. To, and that makes me. That's the thing I'm always like, why are we talking about this still? Yeah. Most people, yeah. it's like, of course. And that's, that's baseline. And then he works up to uh, four other levels of where you are with your business, with the highest one being legacy, you know? And, and so that's what I can relate to with even doing this podcast. It's like, we're not making money off this podcast. We're just, it's something we actually like to do. It's something that I actually feel like we're building the filmmaker and photography community and and giving back really mm -hmm. um and 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 really essentially raising all boats uh, a, a rising tide raises all boats um and that that's our idea is that you know down the line we'll profit because we can charge more because everyone else is charging more and everyone's has a healthy business yeah right and and we set certain standards um so that's kind of like the highest tier your, your legacy um and so honestly at this point with so much going on, you know, with, with our, our guys kind of having the summer off, we're like, hey, I really want to go back to ground zero and see if there are systems here. Like, I'm probably going to fix everything in our business this year. We're, we're going to go through everything together and be like, well, how can we get better? You and I really don't sit down a lot and just go through like the fundamentals, the core of our business, even the way we, we do things. You know, every year we probably spend uh, shooters camp we go away and we talk about these things. How can we get better as shooters? But you know, it's kind of a whirlwind usually, yeah. but now it's not. Now it's not. Now we actually have time to tackle it. And, and we, you know, have a bunch of options is outsourcing an option for us, you know, or are we going to hire, you know, uh, 1099 guys or employees? Like what works better financially? What, you know, fends us off from disasters like the coronavirus and economic downturn better, you know, where, if something happens, you know, how am I prepared for that? Like if something happens, how am I going to provide for a, an employee compared to, okay, if it's, I'm outsourcing, it doesn't really matter to me. There's, there's a, well, the, a the important part deal. is you don't need to do all of that Yeah. in one. And I think what's great is they, they have this whole, um, worksheet that you can fill out. He mentioned yep. it where it will kind of tell you where you are yep. Yep. and what you need to do next. And I think what I always want to encourage people to do is, don't do everything. Do what, like, yeah. we talk about it in our house and as a joke sometimes, but uh, in the Frozen 2, there's that song, um, Do the Next Right Thing. Yeah. And it's, Of course, know. classic banger. Yes, yes. Yeah. But I think, like, that's one of the things I think is a really critical life step, but mm -hmm. also in business. Like, what's the next right thing? Mm -hmm. We'll fix this next. Yep. Don't fix it all. You don't need to worry about everything. Yep. What, but here's what's great about the book. And I think what I took out of it was he's like, it's not a ladder. Mm -hmm. It's a cycle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you always have to come back and keep cycling through like, Oh, legacy basics. Like yep. you have to always come back. And so just because you're now looking at something else in your business doesn't mean you're starting on a downward trend or failing. Mm -hmm. It's just circling back around. Yep. And I think, that is a tendency in human nature to think like in terms of ascendancy, like, Oh, I used to do this. Now I do this. Now yep. I do like I charge more and more and more and more yep. and get better and better and better clients and shoot more and more and more or less yep. and less and less or whatever it is. It's just, we're very linear in how we think about our businesses. So we don't really know how to adjust when things become, when we're back to where we were mm -hmm. in a sense, you know, where we're having to think about, am I overpriced? Yep. Well, you know, like all these questions that you really need to keep reevaluating. And I like that about the book because it's telling you you're making progress, but also you're going to have to keep revising and revisiting all these things all the time. That's yep. really what it is. Yep. And also, you know, I think it's really important as a business owner, you know, and, and probably not a lot of people out there are like this, but we're in a position where we just have an amazing team. Right. And, and they're, editors, they're shooters, they're organizing our gear in the basement. They're doing just a lot of things that 
I don't have time to do by myself anymore. If we want stop, go love and Huxley and, and, you know, all the endeavors that we have going on to grow. Um, but, but going back to those basics and, and, you know, circling back to, well, it's just like is there a way we can do right? gear better? Is there a way that we can do editing better? Is there a way that we can do, you know, delivery better? Um, going back to all those things and just being like, where are the holes in coronavirus is like, it's kind of taking like a 12 gauge shotgun to our, you know, business boat. And, and so you see the holes more apparently now. Well, than and also ever. like you're the higher you go up the ladder, yep. the more distance you get from a problem, the mm -hmm. less you care. Yep. And so if you don't keep revisiting your business, all the parts, yep. you will start to develop really terrible problems. And like, even if you're the only person working for it. Mm -hmm. So if you make your pricing and then you never revisit your pricing or you never revisit customer satisfaction, yep. you never like, am, am I doing a good job with marketing? Just mm -hmm. whatever. And, th and those are just very specific areas. Um, you probably won't like what you see mm -hmm. when you come back and have to, and you only will deal with it like us when we had our, our profit problem, yep. when it was a problem. Like that's how you'll run a business. You'll just be putting out fires. Yep. Like, and for us, that's what we did with our finances is we were like, Oh, why don't we have money right now? Oh, okay. Now we have money. Yeah. <laughs> it was, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Like I remember saying like, Oh, it'll be fine in two months and then just ignoring it. And I was right, but I should have been able to analyze. Known why. Yeah. yeah. Why is yeah. this happening? Am I okay with it? Is yep. this bad? Could I avoid it? Could I do better? Could I like, is this the result I wanted? There are times where I'm like, no, I, I don't have money and I know why and I'm happy. I'm fine with it. Yep. But there are other times where I'm like, I should have money. I don't. What? What's going on? Yeah. Profit first is helpful with that. But fix this next. I think he said is like, if he was to tell you read one of his books first, I think that this is a great one to start with because yep. I think it will probably point you to profit first. Probably most people in our industry, that is the most glaring problem in their business is how they manage their finances. Mm -hmm. Not that they're not good at filmmaking or taking photos or planning weddings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. So awesome. Cool. That was an awesome podcast, man. I yeah. really like it. I hope yeah. you guys like it at home too. And again, if you have questions, leave them in the comment section below. We'd love to hear from you and, and hear your questions, kind of hear your struggles. Um, it's a really hard time right now. Uh, a lot of people are going through a lot of um, maybe not financial hardship yet. Uh, we're in you know June and government funding seems to run out pretty soon. Uh, so oh, we're riding the beginning of the wave. When the wave crashes down on some people, it's like I think it's going to be hard in the next six months, and people are going to start realizing that you know maybe they're not in a great situation uh, for for themselves currently, and then even next year. So. Um, stay true guys, you know, hopefully you guys are staying safe and, and uh, first of all, healthy, uh, first and foremost. Um, but, uh, but make sure you're subscribing to wedding pros here on the podcast, as well as watch us on YouTube guys. You know, we're, we're there as well. Uh, also producing just great content, great videos, uh, for wedding video professionals, wedding photographers out there as well, gear reviews, all that kind of stuff. Um, thank you for listening to the Wedding Pros podcast, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.